He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one for whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The words of the prophet written so long ago, written even before the one about whom it was written would come. For generations, the people of Israel had wondered the meaning of those words. Is it about the nation? Is it about the Messiah? What does it mean? Isn't the Messiah to be king? What does it mean to be king of Israel? What does it mean to be the suffering servant? Jesus would come and fulfill those words. And we have come here today into this place that that by the presence of those of you who have come, have turned this place into the house of God. And we have an opportunity in the time that lies before us to open our hearts and to experience worship, to worship the King of the Jews, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We need to not just be passengers on this journey. For God has a purpose for every one of us, for each of our hearts today. But in order to be ready, you see, we've created a beautiful musical frame. And you could be tempted to sit here and just think, wow, they sang that in a nice way. Wow, those words were spoken well. But to do so would be to miss out. Because though the choir will be worshiping, they're not the only worshipers here. Though I will be worshiping in spoken word, I'm not the only worshiper here. Every one of us are worshipers here today. And the Lord intends to paint on each of us a unique picture the picture we need in our heart today. So to prepare you, to prepare us for the work that God wants to do in our heart, we will begin today with a musical canvas. And as Gable plays this song, what I want you to do is, yes, you can listen because it's a really nice song, but, but more than that, what I want you to do is allow this music to bring reflection to you as you consider Jesus in the garden praying that if this cup could pass that you see Jesus standing before the Pharisees and the Sadducees falsely accused that you see Jesus before Pilate that you see Jesus mocked that you see Jesus on the cross and you see Him in the silence of the tomb. This is your canvas. Prepare it well.
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Father, we've been surveying the wondrous cross 
on which the King of glory died for us. And we realize that our richest gain is, is but loss, for without that cross it has no meaning. For all that we build passes away. Only those things that are secure in Jesus last forever. Lord, we cannot reach beyond the failing of our flesh. And we are reminded of this today. And we lift up to you Rose Coolidge and Howie Baez. That, Lord, you will draw near to them this day. And we lift up before you the Webb family. We'll be saying goodbye later today. But because of the work of Jesus, our, our goodbyes are temporary. It is hard to see beyond the stone. We are unable to roll it away. But you know this. So merciful Lord, look upon those who grieve and bring comfort. Look upon us who grieve for the sin in our life and bring deliverance. Give us confidence today that the work of Jesus has accomplished what we could not. And as we continue to worship in this time, may we, by Your Spirit, be led completely through to the living hope of Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. The center of this experience today that we are involved in together is the great gift of the life of Jesus that He gave for us. It is a gift beyond all other gifts. None of us could match it. Yet at the same time, God in His wisdom has given us the opportunity to participate as well. And as a regular part of our services, we have a time of giving, not just because we need it to pay bills, but because we as individuals need to be able to be a part. So I want to encourage you today, as God has been gracious to you, as God has been merciful to you, as God has enriched your life in so many ways, remember this place, your brothers and sisters and those who gather here, for together we are this church. It becomes the house of God when we come into it. And we sustain it with what God has given us. So today, with a heart of gratitude, be generous with your tithes and offerings and your gifts towards our project of building, which today especially we thank God the balcony never closed. <laughs> I don't know where we would have put you. But praise God for the progress that is made. The deacons will receive our tithes and offerings. Then she heard 
came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands I commit my spirit when he had said this he had breathed his last the centurion seeing what had happened praised God and said surely this was a righteous man when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what ha took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But though all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things.
Beneath the cross of Jesus. There were many there that day. Many there that mocked and misunderstood. In fact, one of the amazing things about this story is how many times the people are doing and saying the exact thing without having any idea that they're doing that. Thinking they're doing something else. It's, we're confused so often, aren't we? We talk a lot when we talk about this story of the faithlessness of the Jews at that time. And certainly that's well recorded in the story. We see the, the, the failure of the Jews to recognize Him. And, and imagine what Jesus went through. He came from, from glory where He was acclaimed by the angels to, to take on human flesh and join us and be one of us to where the only ones that seemed to recognize Him were the demons. How crazy is that, right? All the humans are like, who does this guy think he is? But every time he went anywhere, the demons were all like, ah, I know who you are. Terrified. But he took on our nature and he walked around and we didn't understand him. And, and these were the people, the, the Jewish people that had had the words and the oracles and all of those pieces all through that time, but they didn't understand. But we beat them up sometimes. I want to talk to you for just a minute about the Gentiles. You see, the Gentiles make an appearance in this story. And I just got to tell you, it's not a good one. Mark chapter 15, we've been in the book of Mark. We're talking about the remarkable things that Jesus did. Mark chapter 15, verse 16, Then the soldiers led Jesus away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. What I want to suggest to you, Gentiles, because that's most of you, is this little snapshot we see right here of the soldiers is not a fluke. It's not an anomaly. This is what the rest of the world was like when Jesus came to save us all. You see, this is how it is for the Gentiles. This is how it works for Gentiles. Here's how we do it. Any group that has power over another will oppress and abuse and hurt the other. What do the soldiers have against Jesus? Why did they care? What did Jesus ever do to them? Doesn't matter. It was just someone who was weak. So what did they do? They beat him. See, that's how the Gentiles are. That's our nature. And in our day, because we're so mixed up now on the earth, we've all traveled and come to different places, sometimes race plays a role in this, and, and, and we use that to choose teams. But I just want to tell you, it's deeper than that. You see, my name Patterson is a Scottish name. It's a, kind of a perversion of Patrick's son. And that turned into Patterson over time. And, and we found out, my parents found out, that supposedly the, the Patterson line is a part of the Lamar clan of the Scots. And so my parents were traveling in Scotland one time, and they were there, and, and, and they were in an area that apparently was where the clan of the Campbells lived. And my dad said to one of the guys there, yeah, well, I, I understand our background is Scottish. He said, really, which clan are you from? He said, well, I understand we're from the clan of Lamar. And he said, Lamar, I thought we killed all you. <laughs> Apparently some of us escaped to America is all I can figure. <laughs> it's not new. This is how Gentiles are. It wasn't until England invaded that the Scots got together. Before that, they killed each other. It's how we are. And what those soldiers did to Jesus is what we would do our whole lives 
If the Son of Man had not come and died for our sins and shown us another way. Don't think too highly of yourself. Within you beats the same Gentile heart that beats in me. And but for the grace of God, we would be at each other's necks right now. Truly, the proof of the gospel is this community of believers. The scriptures say they brought Jesus to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him, and the inscription of his accusation was written above him, the king of the Jews. Now, is that not the greatest irony? Why is he being killed? Ha! He's the king of the Jews. Why is he being killed? He's the king of the Jews. He came to die. They put it up there to mock him. Not realizing it was the most accurate label they could have possibly put on that cross. And it explained exactly why he was on that cross. Because the king of the Jews did not come to establish an earthly kingdom that would dominate just like the Gentiles. He came to establish the kingdom of God. A kingdom of mercy and grace where the greatest moment of glory of the king would take place in a moment everyone else thought was humiliation where he raised his arms and gave his life. But that's not the only irony. Verse 29, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Failing to realize that That's exactly what was happening. The temple of his body that he had come to give for us was being destroyed. But just wait. In three days, he will build it again. The irony of their words. They're proclaiming what's taking place, but they think they're mocking. Not just them. Verse 31, Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Okay, let's go back. Jesus made a promise to the paralytic when he was before him. He said, your sins are forgiven, right? And here he is keeping the promise. You see, they didn't get it. They said, They thought it was all about this life, and sometimes we do too, don't we? They thought it was all about the life right now. Others he saved, himself he cannot save. And Jesus was there saying, no, it is to save others that I am here. If I come down from this cross, I cannot save them. They didn't get it. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Little did they know Elijah had already come. You remember the story on the Mount of Transfiguration? Elijah had already been there. Elijah had already encouraged Jesus along with Moses, and Jesus had seen them and said to himself, it is for them that I go to this cross, for they are redeemed by a promise. Not yet by an act. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. 
Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. We beat up on the Gentiles a little bit a minute ago, but here we go. We're not a totally lost case. Because when God chooses to reveal Himself to us in the fullness, even we say, truly, you are the Son of God. The veil was torn, the Scripture says, from the top to the bottom. Human hands can't do that, can they? First of all, human hands would have never been able to tear that veil because that veil was intentionally made to cut us off from the presence of God. Because we could not stand in the presence of God in our sin, and so the veil was there to cut off the presence of God even from the priests. But with the death of Jesus, the way to the throne was opened. And every one of us was invited now to the altar where, where the God of goodness and love awaited us with outstretched arms. And He invites us to come to the altar. We come through Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Heed the invitation today. The veil is torn. Come to the altar.
course, the tomb was not the end. Mark 15, verse 40. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took Jesus down and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And isn't that the moment of ultimate hopelessness? There was no way these women could do what they intended to do. They, and what good would it have done anyway? to take expensive spice and pour it on someone dead. They couldn't move that stone. They weren't strong enough. And, and not only that, the government was set against them. For soldiers had been around it, and there was a seal to make sure it was never opened. And as they walked, they realized their hopelessness. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said unto you. What does it mean? They didn't know in the moment. They didn't know what it meant. But they would figure it out. And one day Peter would put it together for us very succinctly in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He would write, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I've got to break that down for you because it's too good. You've got to own this. Through the resurrection, you are begotten of God to new life. You are the sons and daughters of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a new life, to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and never fades away. Who can give you anything like that here? Everything we give here corrupts. Even our own bodies waste away. But the inheritance we have through the resurrection is one that never wastes away. And this inheritance is reserved for you and kept by the power of God through faith for salvation yet to be revealed. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Alicia, come join me for just a moment. Come on up here and join me, and we're going we're gonna to steal your mic for a second. Maybe you better steal it. I can't get it. There it is. All right. So, Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Tell them what we just said. These were the words that they spoke to one another in celebration of this resurrection of the Lord. And, and we need to do it as well. For we too believe and know in our hearts. Christos Anesti. Alethos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Alethos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Alethos Anesti. Jesus Christ, our living hope.
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. We worship him today. In his name, amen. Oh, 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 oh,